Welcome in to the David O. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network, which is radio for your soul. And we begin in the name of Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, my Jesus, forgive us of our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls to heaven, especially those who most need of thy mercy. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Dominic de Guzman, pray for us. Venerable Pierre Toussaint, pray for us. And St. Teresa of Jesus, Virgin and Doctor of the Church, whose feast day it is today, pray for us. So, what are we talking about today? Um, Pope Francis and the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, they exchanged a handshake that some have called a Masonic handshake. Right? So, we're talking about that. Um, and I'll tell you what that's actually all about. Um, liturgical abuse, why some priests take ownership of the lit liturgy and modify it. I'll explain the real reason behind their abuse. And the second half of the show, starting about the 20 minute mark, Catholic evangelist and author Jesse Romero will be on the show talking about current events in Satan's unrelentless attack on women. So before all that begins, let me tell you how much I uh, appreciate you being here. And if you don't remember anything else that I said today, remember that Jesus loves you and Jesus is there for you. He truly is. And Ms. Cecil Anderson, she's the producer of this show. And you can hear her voice when you call in 877-757-9424. Also, if you, uh, you can see her live on the um, show Back to the Father, which airs live streams every Friday on all the Guadalupe radio networks, all our live streams on Facebook, YouTube, um, Twitter. So you can see her there. And that show is hosted by Dave Anderson, who is the station manager, general manager at the Dallas-Fort Worth station on GRN. So make sure you like, sub, and share um, that show is really good. And if you want to call in on a pine, like I said, please call in when Jesse Romero's here. You can call in 877-757-9424. Again, that's 877-757-9424. And Cecil will get you on. And make sure you start every day listening to Catholic Drive Time Show with Joe McLean and Adrian Francesca and broadcasting on the Guadalupe Radio Network starting at 6 a.m. Central Standard Time. And this is the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe radio network. Um, also, you know, the show is live streaming. For some reason, if you're trying to watch on, also watch on the YouTube, not able to get that going today for some reason. But um, we used to live stream on the Facebook is still fine. And we're just live streaming on the Twitter. So tune in there. And so... If you were to point out or to give examples of the works of Satan in the world today, what would you do? You might point to abortion, right? perhaps to the attacks on the Catholic Church, perhaps the whole LGBT ideology. You might point to pornography, right? and I would not disagree with any of those things or any of the many other examples you can name. But. I would say that all the attacks from Satan, the one thing they have in common 
is that they are all primarily directed towards destroying the woman. Why? Because Satan knows that if you destroy the woman, you destroy the world. And indeed, this is what Christ Jesus has prophesied. In Luke um, chapter 29, verse 39, it says, For, for behold, the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren in the wombs that never bore, in the breasts that never were um, nursed. That is the trajectory of the world. It's going to be celebrated that day that woman can no longer be who they were created to be. And it's true. You can always spot the devil because he is obsessed, obsessed with attacking a woman. Just as the first woman, he, the first human he'd ever attacked. The first human Satan ever attacked was the woman. Why? Because he knows her power as mother. And most importantly for him, it's, it's an ego thing. It's a pride thing. It's a hubris issue. He knows that the woman will crush his head in the end. And that's why he hates her. And it is also why he abuses, the, 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 the abuses against women I find in the world are always the most demonic ones. And they always lead to the greatest ruin. And of course, I could go all political right now, and, and I might. Because if we look at what I like to call the Demonic National Committee, who has a president in office right now, notice how all the priorities of that party are always direct attacks against women. From pushing the whole transgenderism issue to surgical abortion to chemical abortion to taking, to taking education out of the hands of parents, which is kidnapping children, women's children, to telling us that men can have babies to legalizing prostitution to trying to replace fathers with the welfare state to, to their miscarriage and inducing vax all of it has satan's hands all over it all over it but the other major party in, in this country isn't to be let off the hook either because on, on a national level national level every time we put them in power they did nothing pre-donald trump who we could probably call the, the president of peace right prior to him there, there was not one war that the republicans didn't want to fight not one war from from the war on drugs to wars in other countries, but, but they never fought the most dangerous enemy, the most, the most important war, which again is a direct attack on woman, the pornography industry. They never banned it, never even taxed it. They never did anything to stop it or hinder it, slow it down. We like the Republicans, but because, you know, they, they talk pro-life, they appoint Supreme court justices who we think might help us. We like them because they are, they seem to be our, our best hope against the demonic national committee, but not much help. Now I'm not here to paint women as, as victims. As I said, 
is going to be the woman, Mary, who will dance on Satan's head in the end. But I just want to give you more clarity about what you're seeing in the world. Satan is relentlessly attacking women in their motherhood because he is anxious to get to the prophecy of Jesus being fulfilled. When we will celebrate the barren womb in a breast that never nursed. This is the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network, which is radio for your soul. So the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, was um, in Rome for the G20 summit. And she and her husband met with Pope Francis. And it was, I found it to be very disturbing, to say the least, how giddy the pontiff looked when he met the woman who Satan has under his full influence to harm other women with her policies and power. So they has changed what uh, appears to be a very intentionally arranged handshake in a video of the handshake of the, of the meet and greet. You can see uh, Pelosi being very deliberate, deliberate, but uh, how she arranges her hand and thumb. It, it looks like they were trolling people who call Francis a Freemason, which he's not. I mean, I mean he's all on board with indifferentism which is the key guiding principle to Freemasons, but he's not a Freemason, just a Masonic ally, as I call him in that regard. And there are women Freemasons, but Nancy Pelosi is not one. It looks like they were trolling, trolling the, the conspiracy crowd and the, the crowd that, uh, the, the same crowd that failed for Nancy's little game here. But the bigger point, look, I noticed some of you don't mind Pope Francis meeting with people like Nancy meeting evil people because you say Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors. Okay. But there's a distinction, right? For example, after meeting with the Pope was Nancy Pelosi converted. Is she coming back home pro-life as a faithful Catholic? Did she convert and is now fully following Jesus? We talked about this a few weeks ago. The, the evidence of encountering Jesus is conversion, change, metanoia. That is why Jesus met with sinners and tax collectors. Not to give them a cute little handshake and a smile and be all giddy. It wasn't a meet and greet when he met Zacchaeus. He met them, he encountered them so that they might turn and orient themselves to the Father. There's a distinction. Real quick. Let me name about eight people, about eight of the world's most evil leaders, the most evil world leaders in history, agents of death. And let, let's see which one the Pope has ever met. Ready? Adolf Hitler. A Nazi. Never met with Pius XI for Pius XII while they were Pope. He did meet with Cardinal um, Eugenio Pacelli, um, who later became Pope Pius XII, but... Adolf Hitler was never received in the Vatican. No giddy handshake. Chairman Mao Zedong, communist uh, uh, China of the Communist China Party, never met with Paul VI. Joseph Stalin, Soviet Union leader, communist, another commie, never met with any pope, of which there are about seven in his lifetime. Pol Pot, the, the uh, uh, 
the Kermer, the Kerm, the Khmer nationalist communists. Although, although educated in, in Catholic schools, never met the Pope. Ne never received that was, was never received at the Vatican. Kim Song II, North Korean communist, never received in the Vatican. Saddam Hussein, socialist dictator, never received in the Vatican. Idi Amin, despot of Uganda, whose father was a Catholic, yet never received in the Vatican. Of the millions, of the millions of lives that these eight men alone, these eight men alone are responsible for killing, that number barely touches the millions of lives that Nancy Pelosi is responsible for, yet she's received in the Vatican to a giddy pope. And up next is the murderer-in-chief, Joe Biden, who attacks lives in a womb and attacks women through his woman replacement policy called transgenderism, which allows young girls like the ones in Loudoun County, Virginia, to be raped and assaulted by transgenders by this bathroom policy Joe Biden is pushing where people dressed as boys or girls get to go into the bathrooms of uh, gender not assigned to them, not born with, and rape and assault young girls. Tax on women. Murderers in the Vatican. Forget about the handshake. That, that was only meant to distract you and you fell for it. No. Watch how Satan gets to walk right up to a giddy pope and no one's upset about that. We're up here talking about a handshake. Miss me with that. This is the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network, which is radio for you. So, you know, I, I find change to be one of the easiest human concepts to understand. It, it's the one thing about us that is most different than God. Humans change. God doesn't change. God is able to conform us to change, to change us, to divinize us into the image of his son, precisely because we were built for change. While his son, Jesus Christ, is unchangeable. Therefore, we can become like Christ because Christ is always the same. If God was always changing, there, there would be no help. There would be no help for us to be like him. He'd be a moving target. This is why it's so hard to ever be like another person. It is. Trying to be like another person is hard. They change. I remember when I was a kid, I wanted to be like a lot of people. I wanted to be like Michael Jackson. I had a big hair, a jerry curl. Then I wanted to be like Turbo from the movie Breaking. He's a great bread dancer. Cool. And then one day I wanted to be like neither one of them. I don't know why. I don't know who changed. Was it me or them? I don't know. But that's what humans do. We change. And the basic motive for a change is that we want to be something else. We want to be something better. That's it. It's, it's not that complex. We either want to be different or we want to be something better. We want to change. You want to change your living room? Fine. Why? Why do you want to do that? Well, it's because you want different. You want better. It's not complex. You in the gym right now? You're working out? Okay, why? You want a different body or a better body? At, at some point, you've seen 
somebody that you want, right? You want to, you saw a different body and you want that body. Either it was the old you or someone else. You want that. You want to change into that. It's fine. You're going to the car, uh, the car dealership this weekend. Why? You want a different car or better. Why did you convert to Catholicism if you're a convert? Well, because what you were doing wasn't working out for you. So you went looking for something better, maybe. Something different than what you were doing that was failing. You're on your fifth wife right now? That's weird. Well, the, it's probably because the first one was probably your best shot, but you messed up. And now you're trying to find someone as great as her. Change is a very simple human concept. We are always looking for better. So when it comes to liturgical abuse, such as we've been reviewing on my mass nightmares series online, where we've witnessed priests do to um, the Norvis Ordo, things that no human should do to another person's property. And our liturgy does belong to the church. It doesn't belong to the priests. Yeah, we must remember that their desire to change the liturgy to depart from saying the black and do the res, we say. It springs from the human desire to change, a desire that was instilled in us from God so that we might conform, that we might desire to conform, to convert to him, but also desire that can be expressed in disordered ways. Just when we change ourselves so that we might conform or convert to the world. So liturgical abuse occurs because priests and lay people want to change the liturgy. And it happens so often in the Norris Order, right? Because we just know intrinsically, I think, that the Norris Order is not, uh, it's not beautiful in form as the older rites, Western or Eastern, in comparison to anything that came before. In form, it's kind of ugly. It just is. That doesn't mean that the essence of it isn't beautiful. The essence of the liturgy is true, is divine. It's not ugly. It can be. Because the essence, is nature, is divine. Divine not because of a what, but because of a who is present in the liturgy. So the essence of the Norris Order is beautiful. But its form, its delivery of that essence, is less beautiful than which came before it. We just intrinsically know this. We know this, and there's no argument to the fact, because we have something to compare it to. We have the Byzantine, the Tridentine, the Carthusian, the Ambrosian to compare it to. That's why we know. It's like, just like I know, 10 years ago, I, over the last 10 years, I put on 20 pounds. I know, in fact, compared to who I was when I was 40. My 40-year-old self looked great. He could have been in fitness competitions. And I've been in the gym this year. I've changed my eating habits because I've seen that guy. A memory of him popped up in my photos. And I said, I want to be back to that guy. So I started eating healthier to get back to what I used to be. I decided to change. Similarly, when we see people trying to change the liturgy, it's because they're trying to recover the beautiful. So the, the desire to change, the desire to change, to recover the beautiful is natural. Great human tendencies, but fundamentally problematic, problematic in the liturgy. Not only because by changing it, we, we might create an invalid liturgy. We might invalidate it. Not, not only because to change the liturgy is like theft, because it does not belong to us to change it. But most unfortunately, because 
for one to get to the point, for one to get to the point where they want to change the liturgy, it, it, it takes a great deal of pride in Hebrews and a hint of the demonic. Because the priest or the laity, what they are saying is that I have to say or what I have to add or what I have to do to the liturgy is better than what God has to say or what the church has to say. But this is precisely what happens when we find a priest just adding his own words to liturgy, interrupting the liturgy with his own commentary, removing words such as for our men and for our salvation to just say for our salvation, removing the men. Because God didn't mean to exclude women. God's language should be more accommodating. So, so we need to, well, I think what we need to do is just pray more for more docility and humility in our church so that we might change what God is calling us to change, namely ourselves, orient ourselves to him, and to be humble in regards to those things we cannot change. And take everything I just said and apply it to this synodal movement we see in Germany and now spreading throughout Europe. The problem with the human tendency to seek change is that right change begins by knowing God, knowing the good. If we do not know the good, we're always going to pursue a change that leads us to evil. And that's all I know about that. Right after the break, Jesse Romero will be on the show responding to current events and Satan's attack on women. Welcome back. Welcome. Um, this is David O'Grace Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network, which is radio for your soul. You know... This is your Catholic radio station, and we'd like to make it even better for you. Your feedback is really important to us. Just go to our website, grnonline.com, and look for the button labeled 60-second radio survey. It only takes a minute to fill out and send it to us. Again, go to our website, grnonline.com, and look for the button labeled 60-second radio survey. We'd really appreciate it. This is Len Oswald, president of the Guadalupe Radio Network, with this week's GRN Family Minute. Let's talk about charity. It is one of the three theological virtues. Charity is actually another word for love. The Catechism of the Catholic Church defines charity as the theological virtue by which we love God above all things for His own sake and our neighbor as ourselves for the love of God. St. Mother Teresa was a living example of charity. She said, a sacrifice to be real must cost, must hurt, and must empty ourselves. Give yourself fully to God. He will use you to accomplish great things on the condition that you believe much more in His love than in your weakness. It is charity that makes faith and hope come alive. Like any habit, charity is a muscle that needs to be exercised to be strong. Therefore, let us find ways to be charitable to others every day. May God bless you and your families. Welcome back in to the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network, which is radio for your soul. Mr. Jesse Romero, he's a Catholic author, radio host, evangelist. 
After discovering his, his Catholic roots, Jesse studied and prayed his way back into a fervent, um, ongoing practice of the Catholic faith. Through his vast experience with non-Catholics and following away Catholics alike, Jesse has become proficient on how to speak truth and charity in charity and is very effective at, at bringing them into the fullness of truth found only in the Catholic church. Jesse holds a bachelor of arts degree um, in liberal arts from Mount Mary um, college in Los Angeles, California, and has a master's degree in Catholic theology from the Franciscan university in Steubenville, Ohio, as proud parents of Paul, Anna Marie and Joshua, Jesse and his wife, Anita have been happily married since 1983. Welcome on to the show, Jesse. How you doing? Thanks, David. Thanks for having me on. Good to be here. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to see you. We've become um, something like friends. We've been seeing each other a lot around lately. Yeah, yeah. Fighting the Catholic culture wars and trying to uh, evangelize people with the with the fullness of truth. Yeah, yeah. And we're, so we're, we're in the same, David. We're in the same foxhole. <laughs> there's there's no yeah. atheist in that foxhole. That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> so, what's so going yeah, on, I, my wanted, I wanted to um, have you on because I know we, I started having a conversation with you when I met you in Detroit at Church Militant Conference. And I was so fascinated, um, started reading more of your works. Had it heretofore, I'd only really had just really just encountered you on the radio. But then I found that your, your writings are really thoughtful in regards to really getting to the root of some of the issues that we find going on in society today. So in the opening of my, my show, I don't know if you heard it, but I was talking about how Satan has just, he seems to be unrelentless in his attack on women in, in, in the world. And I was wondering, do you agree that you think it goes back to the fact that the first woman he attacked, the first human he attacked was a woman and that he knows that the ultimately in the end, his, his skull is going to be danced upon and crushed by the blessed Virgin Mary. That, when you go right back to the very beginning of our first parents, Adam and Eve, uh, God gave the proper order of things. He created Adam first and then Eve. So there's a structure and there's a social and a moral, a moral order the man is supposed to be the patriarch or is a patriarch, and he's supposed to lead, protect, and provide. And the woman is the heart of the home, as Pope Pius X said, Pope Pius XII, excuse me. And so the woman, just like the Blessed Virgin Mary, is called to receive, trust, and surrender to God and to her husband's lawful authority given to, given to them by natural law. What do we see in the very beginning? We see that the devil takes the form of a serpent, and they call that shape-shifting in, in the field of spiritual warfare and exorcism, shape-shifting. <clears throat> and so uh, Eve, uh, apparently the devil enters into the garden, which is their, it's their, it's their castle, it's their church. And Eve goes and confronts the devil and has a conversation with him. And when you read the scriptures, Adam is present, but apparently he's in the background. So there's already a disorder there because there's a stranger knocking at your door. Uh, he's not a friend. He's a foe. And instead of the man getting up from the couch and saying, honey, step back, uh, get behind me. I'll take care of this. Let me answer the door and let me talk to this talking snake and let me dispel him out of our out of our castle. No, 
Adam sat back, as people say in, in modern language, he hid behind Eve's skirt. And Eve, uh, she's guilty. Uh, exorcists will say she was guilty of what's called the sin of usurpation, acting like a man, acting mm. like the head of the house, mm. acting like the patriarch, you know, uh, acting like, you know, she's the one that has headship, which she doesn't. She doesn't. Ephesians 5, 21 and 22, the Bible says uh, that uh, uh, Christ is the head of the church. And just like Christ is the head of the church, the man is the head of the home. That's the natural and the spiritual order. Now, what's Adam guilty of right there in the first encounter with Satan? Adam is guilty of dereliction because men have duties. When you get married, you have a duty, an obligation. In Latin, they call that munis, the code of canon law. You have a duty, an obligation to protect, provide, and to lead your family, especially your spouse. And so there, that's a military term, obligation, duty. Adam was derelict in his duty. He did not lead, protect, and provide uh, for Eve in this encounter with Satan, who took the form of the serpent. And Eve, again, acting herself kind of like, a, you know, the, the first feminist, you know, pounding her chest. Uh, you know, rem remember that song? I think it was back in the, I think it was back in the 70s. It says, uh, uh, I am woman, watch me roar. I forgot, yeah, I forgot yeah, who yeah. sang that song. Okay. It was back in the 70s. I mean, that was the beginning of the feminist movement and stuff. But uh, that's what Eve was guilty of. And what happens when the devil sees that the man is not acting like the patriarch and the woman is not acting like the matriarch in the heart of the home, the devil sees disorder. And what happens? Green light. The devil's not going to green light your kids. He's going to retaliate against your marital construct. And he's going to retaliate against your children. I've seen this for 20, 25 years around the Catholic Church. The devil is attracted by disorder, moral, social, and marital disorder. Hmm. What protects hmm. the family? When the man acts like St. Joseph, at least tries, and when the woman acts like the Blessed Virgin Mary. I'm talking about the virtues, the virtues of both of them. Joseph, lead, protect, provide. Mary, Our Lady, uh, receive, trust, and surrender. That's what we see from the New Testament. And when all of us are in our lane, when we stay in our lane, our marriage and our family is protected. Yeah, you make it sound very simple. And I guess the, the, the construct is. I don't, I don't think it's that hard. I think, obviously, like you said, the man should be, a uh, key principle here is being present. I mean, Adam just wasn't present when Eve was being attacked. Like, where was he? I mean, he wasn't, like you said, he wasn't doing his duties. He just left her out there unprotected. And when a household right. isn't protected, the man isn't being a man. He's not patriarchal. Um, there's a lot of room there for Satan just to come in, right? Absolutely. And and I can even prove this. You know, uh, you look at like studies that have been done. There was a study done. I think it was in Austria. I, I just I could grab my book and look at the annals, but I don't want to do that. But the study that was done in Austria, uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, 1994 Swiss study, volume two, population studies, on page 31 says this if a father does not go to church no matter how faithful his wife's devotions only one child in 50 that's two percent of the children will become regular church goers if a father does go to church regularly regardless of the practice of the mother between 66 to 75 percent of their children will become regular church goers that's a huge disparity and so what does that mean 
It means that the gravitas, the weight of a father's faith and prayers carry much more gravitas with the children than mom. It's not because men are better. It's just the nature of the office. It's just the fact that he's the head of the home. This gives his prayers and his faith life. It gives it more gravitas with the children. It carries more weight with the children. And you could even see, once again, because it's, it, the father is, is called to be the St. Joseph of the home. The father is, well, and, and all of us in, in a subordinate sense, obviously to Jesus Christ, all of us are priests, prophets, and kings as a result of our baptism. Right. But the father right. really has a priestly role in the family par excellence because, again, the father is the representative of Christ of the family. Pope John Paul II, he made a comment back in, uh, I think, like 1994. He said, every family, every father is an icon of God the Father to their children. Think about that statement. Every father at home is an icon of God the Father at home. Uh, again, uh, you'll see, David, and you could appreciate this because one of the things that we're seeing, and I'm glad to see people like Larry Alder, Denzel Washington, heck, even Barack Obama talked about this. Uh, the, the decimation of the black family in America is by and large as a result of fatherless homes. Mm -hmm. They get it. They get what the Catholic Church is saying. And, uh, and this is why, as Catholics, this is a topic that's not going away. And this is the only way, this is the only way we can overcome the Marxist anarchy that we're, we're living under is by prop, by men and churchmen as well acting like men, acting like St. Joseph, and taking their po proper patriarchal authority. I'm not talking about being a macho man. I'm not talking about being a, you know, pounding your chest and I'm Tarzan. No, that, that, that's, uh, that's another disorder in itself. Yeah. We're talking about having the virtues of St. Joseph. All right. We're speaking with Mr. Jesse Romero. He's a Catholic author, radio host, evangelist. You can find out more about him on at his website, Jesse romero.com um, preview all his books there make sure you pick up a couple and and people can listen to you on the radio during the day how could how do they tune into um, your radio show jesse yeah um uh, i i started a, a an internet radio station called virgin most powerful my buddy terry barber and myself and we're basically on all the platforms except youtube youtube has banned us for a lifetime but other than YouTube, we're on all the platforms you can listen to us on. And we're also picked up by about 30 stations, three Catholic stations across the country. Nice. Uh, nice. Yeah. Cool. And when I was coming up, Jesse, I was I was commenting on this um, in my hometown newspaper recently that all of my friends, when we were, every, all the friends I knew that I had coming up as a kid, all of us had a mom and a dad in the house. All of us. And... It was strange to me when I moved back home and I noticed the condition it was in and I'm looking around and I noticed that even though all of us had two parent homes, mother and father, even some of us with a stepfather, that largely none of us imitated that. We didn't imitate our fathers. You know, we made, we, we, the, the generation that I belong to, we did a great job making babies, but we didn't make families. Right. Mm. And, yeah. and it seems to, and, and of course, I mean, that, 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 that has put women in a, in a very precarious position, right? Uh, 
Um, Absolutely. But I look at a lot of, you know, I'm at the gas station, you know, you go to the gas station, I see something really weird, right? Like I said, my generation, you know, we made, a lot of us made babies, but not families. But I'm looking around to these kids today. It doesn't even seem to even be that. At the gas station, you even see a guy, you know, his, he's, sitting at, he's sitting in a car. He's sitting in a passenger seat, right? You may have seen this, Jesse. He's sitting in a passenger seat. And what happens? The girl who's driving gets out the car and goes pump the gas <laughs> while he's sitting there. You've seen this. And, and so and as much as, you know, we can say, okay, you know, the generation I belong to, we did a really good job making babies, not making families. This new generation is just, it seems to be just caught up in just usury, just using each other for recreation and for sex. And I wonder if you had any thoughts on how, what steps we could take as a society, as a church, as a people to just recover manhood. And David, there's only, there's only, there's a, I'll get right. I'll get very basic. In first John three ten, the Bible says that there's two teams on planet earth. It says the sons of God and the sons of the devil, period. Okay. There's only two teams. There's not a third team or two teams, sons of God, sons of the devil. What we're dealing with right now, the destruction of the family, the pornification, the over-sexualization of the culture. This comes from Darwinian ethics. It comes from uh, Marxist socialism. It comes from this whole woke culture. And this is what we're dealing with. What is Marxist communism? What is this woke culture? What is uh, Darwinian atheism? What do they militate against? The Roman Catholic Church. You know why? Who built Western civilization? The Roman Catholic Church. The battle right now is between the moral ethical system of the Roman Catholic Church given to us by Jesus Christ that's given us 2,000 years of the greatest accomplishments in Western civilization? Or are we going to find, are we going to follow uh, uh, Hegel, uh, Karl Marx, uh, Charles Darwin, the whole atheist Marxist communism ethic, which it's basically is only the strong survive, survival of the fittest. That's where we're at. The, the, this is the clash that we're in right now. And this is why we need all hands on deck. We need every single Catholic to, to first of all, know your faith. Because if you don't know your faith, you're useless. You're like a soldier without a gun. You're a, you're a soldier without a rifle. Okay? So number one, we have to know our faith. Number two, we've got to, we've got to obviously study the faith so you could know it. Then we've got to live our faith, and then we have to share our faith. This is what mm. the Marxists mm. and the atheists and the communists are doing in our society. They're sharing their perversion in colleges, through social media, through radio stations, through music, through Hollywood movies. Heck, they've even controlled a large part of the Democrat Party. Uh, it, it, it's a battle of information right now. It's a battle of ideas. Yeah, We got the truth. And, and, and the human soul craves for the truth. St. Augustine said about the Catholic faith, all we got to do, the Catholic faith is like a lion. All we have to do is let it out of its cage. If people would hear what the church taught, 
that we are special, made by God, unrepeatable creations. God is our father. God made us to know him, love him, and serve him in this lifetime. And when we die, to be with him forever in heaven in the next life. Life is short. Eternity is forever. And, and the only thing that can keep us away from that, that reward, that eternal reward, is sin. Unconfessed, unrepented, mortal sin. Our message is simple, but it's truthful. It's been around 2,000 years. And when you hear it, it rings true in the soul. Yeah. The other the other side, they don't have a message. You know what the other side does? They live for the here and now. They want to construct the Tower of Babel. They want to construct the utopia here on earth. They want to construct, you know, a transhumans and this this uh, this this uh, dystopian society. Uh, the other side has nothing to offer. You say, so what happens after you die? They say, well, when you die, you just like vanish or you cease to exist and you just disappear into non-existence. The other side has nothing. They don't have good news. The only thing they talk about is living for the here and now, for the moment, just right. to satisfy right. your passions, living for the weekend. The Catholic faith has a message that's timeless and that's eternal. And when we get our message out there, it resonates in the soul of the person that's honestly seeking the truth and the person of goodwill. That's right. I'm speaking with Jesse Romero. He is a Catholic author, radio host, evangelist. You can find out more about him at jesseromero.com. And um, if you want to comment, if you want to call in and speak with Jesse, we still have time for that. You can call in at 877-757-9424. Again, that's 877-757-9424. And this is a David O. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Jesse, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how much media you consume, but I, I consume, I, I think, a, a moderate bit, you know, because the business that we're in. Uh, we right. have to stay. We have to stay informed. So I don't. I don't mm -hmm. think I overconsume, but I consume a lot, right? And so, one thing that I don't know, something that makes me upset, is that I feel like from I don't. It's not a feeling. It's a. It's a knowledge I know. From the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep, I'm constantly being lied to. No matter where I go, it's never a whole truth when it comes to the media. I don't care if it's Fox or the Federalists or yeah. or CNN. Yeah. It's, it doesn't matter which which political angle people are coming from. It's just always some sort of lie in there, and it's sad that you got to kind of figure it out. You know, where, where's the, the the truth? Just constantly being lied to all day long. And I think one of the biggest lies that I see, and this is one of the things that's very prevalent with the whole critical race theory movement, um, is that. And we saw with the Black Lives Matter movement, and not just to pick those two out, we could go to any movement, really, um, of, of communists and Marxists. But one thing that seems to be trending and it's starting to sip into the Catholic Church is that the lie is that there's a political solution to our problems, right? Hmm. That everybody wants to point to policy or this law, this legislation to fix this. If we just pass this bill, if we just get this Supreme Court justice, if we just elect this person, if we just all come together and we vote the same way, that all of a sudden all our problems are going to be fixed and mended. <laughs> That's a lie. I, I, you know, there, there's, of course, as people of faith and we're, we're supposed to engage in in. in in, in the political body or at least in the, in the public space to influence it 
Jesus Christ said, preach to all nations. So that's our responsibility to educate, to inform, to, to counsel the doubtful. So not to dismiss political solutions, but this all in mentality, like political solutions are salvific. <laughs> it's, I mean, what, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? And do you see that becoming a, a, a trend? Yeah, uh, a lot of Catholics have this wrong, including uh, the unelected president, Joe Biden. What do I mean by that? They put their politics before the religion. Hmm. That's, that's called the heresy of Americanism. I'll repeat that again. Again, Nancy Pelosi, many others. They put politics before the religion. That's called the heresy of Americanism. We have to remember that the church is a supernatural institution given to us by Christ, safeguarded by the Holy Spirit. Government is a natural institution. So the supernatural, is the church is supposed to be the moral conscience of government because the church is supernatural. That means above nature, government is a natural interest institution. And so when everything's functioning properly, the government is not supposed to influence the church. That's a disorder. The church is supposed to impose their morality upon government. That's the proper role of the church. That's authentic evangelization. We have to remember that politics is just the caboose. The, the, the engine is, is, is objective truth, which comes from the Jesus Christ and the church. But they can't be separated. Okay. And... and one thing that we notice is another thing that we notice with the, with the big lie, you know, if we really talk about the big lies that's going on is this whole issue with gender ideology. You know, the, the, the number one website at all times, the biggest business online is pornography. It just is um, in every country. Porn is king on the Internet. It's the biggest moneymaker. And I was commenting in, in the first part of the show about of all the wars, you know, before Trump, who I like to call the president of peace, right? Because he didn't start one war. But, <laughs> um, you know, before Trump, Republicans love wars. There wasn't a war they didn't, they didn't want to get into. It's true. But the one war that was never fought, right, was the war against pornography. We never taxed it. We never um, imposed any restrictions on it, really. It's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just free willy-nilly out there. And I think it's really doing great harm, again, to women, to families. And um, why don't why don't you think we there's more of a pushback against the whole pornography culture? I think uh, a couple of reasons. Number one, I think they've already infected the uh, the public sphere, the, the the politics. They've infected enough politicians who are involved in their their own Epstein Island type lifestyles. <laughs> it's also there's yeah there's also a lot of corrupt judges who again they're involved in this whole you know sex trafficking of children we know hollywood is the capital of pedophilia hmm. uh there's been many many hollywood actors that have come out and said so as well mel gibson and many others have come out and said so and so this is why they're not going to shoot themselves in the foot uh and and we also see again that uh this the lgbt movement which uh, basically, you know, transgender, all this is an offshoot of the LGBT movement. Uh, they're well-funded. They're well-funded. Mm. They're well-connected. Mm. Uh, many people, because they have a male form of conscience, 
they've bought into it, people of power. The devil goes at Father Gable Amorth, rest in peace, says that the devil prefers to go after politicians. Why? Because they, they can maximize damage. He, he could take a politician and darken their intellect and, and make sure that their conscience stays malformed. He can use this politician like Joe Biden, for example. He's, he's uh, performed two homosexual uh, so-called marriages in the White House. Kamala Harris has performed one over in California. And so, uh, and then you, you even have uh, big players in the Catholic Church, one of them being Father James Martin. And there was also, I think, uh, 14 uh, bishops in the United States that came out, you know, and, and they were they were for, you know, LGBT causes and stuff. And so this has infected the body politic, but it's also infected the church. And this is this is part of the three M's that we're fighting with until the second coming of Christ that's infiltrated the church and culture. Modernism, uh, yeah, modernism, Marxism and Masonry. Those are the three M's that we're fighting in the church and we're fighting in the culture until the second coming of Christ. I noticed that, I noticed that. we, you and I, we had done some work with, you know, the council yeah. priests, right? And, yeah. and, and we have, you know, we were concerned about how um, they've been, you know, a number of them have been prevented from during the ministry that God has called them to do and 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 that's a good fight i you know obviously and but one thing i've always also noticed jesse was that there seems to be another war against people in in the catholic church and i don't know if you noticed this but it's against the laity in a lot of places that sure a a small number of, of priests they don't um, they're being subjugated to their, you know, their back to their mother's basement or whatever, um, have to live off of not much at all. But there, I think there's in, in the church today, there's seems to be a, a second church is being set up where good people, laity, you and I, who want to offer our skills to the church, whether doing RCAA, maybe want to be a director of religious education, do, doing something in the church. There seems to be also a war against some of those people in some places and some churches. Um, some priests just don't want them around. They, they don't let them be lectors. They don't let them do ministry. They're just kept out of the public space. At least that's what a lot of people are reporting what's going on. Is there, you know, so the co- there's a coalition of council priests that you, you and I have helped out, you know, they're organized, they're together. Um, maybe there's going to be some progress in the future, but what can, what do you say that if, if a person just wants to help their church, they're not a person who's going to run away and go to some SXPX church, or they're not going to run to, they just want to stay in a Norfolk order parish. They want to help out, but they're not being allowed. What would you, what would you recommend those people do Jesse? Well, here's the beautiful thing. There's about, over 17,000 Catholic churches, parishes in the United States. I've had to move from, from uh, one parish, uh, you know, two or th- probably about two or three times. I refuse, <laughs> I refuse to sit there Sunday after Sunday hearing Marxist pablum from the pulpit, uh, listening to a man who's a limperist and, uh, and who's engaged in all kinds of liturgical violations too numerous to count. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give any money. 
that as Catholics, I think if everybody that knew their faith, they started picking the parishes that are faithful to the teachings of the of the of the perennial magisterium, mm-hmm. uh, holy faithful priests that are serving the liturgy property, whether it's the whether it's the ordinary or extraordinary right, and giving homilies that are catechetically sound. Those are the parishes that we have to support. Let's bankrupt these other modernist Marxist Masonic parishes. We have to we have to hit them in the pocketbook, mm. empty them, make them look like a ghost town. Uh, Catholics that say, well, I'm going to stay here and fight. Uh, trust me, I'm 60 years old. I've tried that. It doesn't work. Okay? When, you're, when, when, the, when the pastor is a modernist Marxist Mason, uh, good luck, okay? Because he has total control and authority of the parish and stuff. We have to close those parishes down by breaking their piggy bank and leaving those parishes, turning them into a ghost town. Mm. And I, I would say that's, that, that's, I think that may be an effective strategy because we've seen even bishops like like Supich and all the other people who we don't consider our friends, they will shut down a parish that isn't putting money in their pocket. I mean, that's that's absolutely true. St. Patrick's Parish in, in Seattle. If you ever go online, look at their liturgy. I've done a Mass Nightmare episode on it. It's probably the worst thing, the most pagan thing you ever see going on in the Catholic Church. And, they're, and, and there's a bunch of Otagarians in there. Nothing against people in their 80s. I'm just saying there's no young people in there. And... And they're being closed down. So even even the parish like that, um, yeah. If, if you're not if you if you're not helping out the bishop with his annual fundraisers and other things, yeah, I think Jesse is right. Uh, the pocketbook may be an effective way to go. Yeah, and uh, and again, as also as a Catholic, uh, the Catechism says, I think it's in paragraph eight twenty eight. In times of crisis in the church, what always restores the church or resurrects the church is holiness personal holiness strive to be a saint strive to be holy or at least die trying it's holiness that resurrects the catholic church during times like this during times of 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 moral and 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 uh and an ecclesiastical crisis but it's a unique time, right? I mean, if we look out, look back through the rest of history, we see other times like this. We saw religious orders spring up, Dominicans, um, Franciscans. They, they came to rescue us. We've we, we seen um, uh, th- that's really been the history of the church, religious orders, consecrated people coming to our rescue and reforming the church and re-evangelizing, reforming. But we don't see that nowadays so much, right? We see uh, here and there, we see a new religious order being formed, but it doesn't seem to be like it used to be 500 years ago, like they're really going to come to our rescue. So what is the role of the laity? Is there like this new age of the laity that's going on right now? What do you think about that? Oh, I, I have no doubt that what one of the good fruits of Vatican II, okay, because we could talk about the bad fruits of Vatican II, and there's, and there's a lot of them. But one of the good fruits of Vatican II is the universal call to holiness. The way Vatican II called everybody, from Pope all the way down to the newly baptized, to become holy. And, and, uh, and also, there's a lot more what I would call biblical literacy. So Catholics are starting to really understand their faith, uh, at least opening the Word of God and really cultivating uh, a, a strong interior and spiritual life by, by again, the... Uh, the call to read scripture once again, not that the church didn't call that in times past, but there was another new emphasis at Vatican II. Hmm. And, and, and also as a result of that, 
I think we're living under the prophecy of Fulton Sheen right now, where he said back in 1974, he said, who, and he said this to an audience of bishops. He said, who's going to save the church? He says, not the bishops, not the priests, not the religious. It's you laity. You're going to save the church. Then he said, lay people, teach your priests how to be priests, teach your bishops how to be bishops. Look at, for example, I'll tell you one of the fruits of Vatican II. Right now, you and me are podcasting. Thousands of people are going to watch this, if not today, in the next couple of days, the next couple of weeks. So you and me are able to talk to a whole lot of people. Let's say we lived back in the 15th century under Pope Alexander VI when he had a bunch of girlfriends and a bunch of babies. And we <laughs> wanted to do a podcast, say, hey, this pope is fornicating with six different women. This pope has already sired nine different kids. There's no way to get the message out. There was no post office. There was no email. There was no text. There was no internet. And so people, you know, in times past, yeah. they could be scoundrels yeah. and get away with it. We just read in history a hundred years later, say, Pope Alexander the Sixth sired nine children. <laughs> and we're gonna have to now. we're gonna have to leave that there for now. And thanks for coming on, Jesse Romero. Make sure you visit him at jesseromero.com. And Jesse, make sure you tell Nita we said hey, and you guys keep us in our prayers. And thanks for Absolutely. tuning in. I'll be back same time next week, same place, and I look forward to conversing with you again. In between time, you can visit me at davidogray.info. But until then, until next time, remember, Jesus loves you and is there for you. And live your life like salvation matters. And may the abundance of our Lord's blessings and graces and favors fall upon you and yours. Thank you. St. Paul Catholic Parish in Richardson.